So we're in week two. We're going to be talking about peace in the heart of Christmas. The Advent season, we are, this Advent season, we're going to uh, be discovering the true meaning of this holiday season. And we're going to take a look at the gifts of hope, peace, joy, and love that Christ brought to us in his miraculous birth. So last week, we didn't burn it, but we did. We lit the candle, if I can get this lighter to work. of hope. And this week, we light the candle of peace. See, we see the faithfulness of God from his prophetic word, is what we learned last week. That, that God means what he says, and he doesn't break any of his promises. Uh, in Isaiah, last week, we talked about how he predicted Jesus coming in the future. And the fulfillment of that uh, word was Jesus' birth, which gives us the confidence that we can place our hope in. Knowing that God is a man of his word, or a spirit, because he doesn't have a body. He's, he's just referred to as male, but he's, 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 not, he's not God of sex. I had to have this conversation this week with my sister. Uh, God doesn't break his promises. From the beginning, from the beginning of the Bible, chapter 3, he makes a promise that he's going to fix the mistake of man. Because that's what the mistake was. It was our mistake. We sinned. And, and I will say this that, that, all the time that... that if you were there, if you and your significant other was there and you was the first, you would have done the same dumb thing. Because we do it all the time today in our own lives. We choose sin over following God. We choose sin over, over looking at God. what God tells us is good for us. And we go, oh no God, I'm not sure about this. I want to try this over here. And we go off and try stuff knowing that God says it's not going to be good for you. So I know if I was in the garden, I would have been eating that apple. I would have been the cause of the fall. So I know that that is in me. The sin nature is in me. But I also know that God promised right after that that he would send his son. To pay for my mistakes. That didn't just curse Adam. It cursed all mankind. We all fell. And we would all make that same mistake today. See, no matter what we face, God is right on time. And will meet us in our time of need. I used to say, I wish I'd met Jesus sooner. And, and here, I want to meet Jesus sooner in my life. Do you know? I want to, to, to uh, when I, it wasn't that nobody had talked to me about Jesus, 
I tried to deconvert them when they did. So, so it's not like some people didn't try, but God wasn't ready for me yet. God wasn't ready. He, he, he had a time that he was going to save me, and that wasn't my time. I'm not saying that people probably planted seeds in my, in my head and in my body, but it wasn't time yet. Everything had to be perfect for me to follow him wholeheartedly, 100%. The same thing happened to you. See, God is a good God, always showing up when he is supposed to show up. And we're going to look at the Christmas story Jackie kindly read for us about the shepherds. The shepherds are amazing. We really probably don't give the shepherds enough credit, okay? Because we are like the shepherds. Most people relate to the shepherds Better than anybody else in the Christmas story. And the reason is, is because they were the outcasts of society. They were not even allowed to go to the temple. They were were breeding sheep to be sacrificed. And they weren't allowed to go to the temple because they were filthy. They were not a liked bunch of people. So if I'm God, this is why I'd make a bad God. I want, like if a king's being born, who's going to show up? The least of the least? Who's he going to invite to the party? He invites the shepherds. They're in a field. That's what's amazing. I mean, the first announcement of the arrival of Jesus in Bethlehem was given by a multitude of heavenly angels to a group of shepherds who were out in a field watching their flocks to keep them safe at night. Every year, today is the day for me. It was supposed to be last weekend. It was supposed to be everything that happened and my sister came in. Every, usually the day after Thanksgiving, because I had a rule in my house. It used to be seven days before Christmas, because I did seven days before and seven days after. But my, I lost that argument, okay? So then I have got a, a no Christmas decorations before the day after Thanksgiving. The day, the, Friday, all out. Friday, all out. Watch movies, whatever. With the grandkids after after Thanksgiving, all the way up to Christmas, uh, I, I, we, we so normally we would have decorated our tree last last uh, Friday, but because of everything that happened, my sister came. We we're going to do it after church. After I take a nap after church, we're going to decorate our Christmas tree. There is an ornament. This year I've got two trees, but that is an ornament that will go on my tree before any other ornament, and it's the first one on the tree, and it's the last one off of the tree every single year since I've owned it. And w- our Christmas tree is not decorated with uh, traditional baubles because me and my wife, when we travel, we buy stuff. 
We, we always look for an ornament that reminds us of where we've been or reminds us of people. So there's some, some baubles to remind uh, uh, Shelly uh, of her dad and there's some of my mom and there's just some family things and there's just, just a bunch of different random ornaments. But there's one ornament that goes on there first and it is a six-inch nail. It is the first ornament. You won't see it very well because it goes right by the base. Because it's not for everybody else. It's for me and my wife. The reason I do it is because I want to remember what brings me the peace of Christmas. What brings the peace of Christmas is Jesus. But Jesus came to die. So it's a reminder at Christmas... That Jesus came to die. He was born to die. So the first ornament I put on is that, and I make sure when I'm taking the ornaments off, I make sure, because we got some little bitty ornaments, and I make sure that everything's off of that tree before I take that nail off. It's the last one off. Because it reminds me of what Christmas is really about. Christmas is about my Savior coming here. And without that, I cannot have peace. See, the reason of Jesus' birth is God's deep desire to see his creation no longer broken by conflict, but rather restored and, and, and at its norm, right place, at peace with God. See, we, we, we also, I love, this, love the hymn, Silent Night. Okay, but you really think about that song. I think it's got bad theology on it. Silent night, holy night. For one, I don't know if you've ever been in a delivery room, but it isn't silent. Yeah. Is it silent? Never. Was it peaceful? Probably not. I love the song. But I think it's got a little bit of bad theology in it. Because it wouldn't have been a silent night. There was angels singing in a field. I don't think there's anything silent about that. I think it would have been an awesome night to be involved in that part of the Christmas story. But it it, it wasn't silent. God was speaking and he was speaking very loudly that night. See, the divine path to peace begin in an unlikely place amongst some unlikely characters. And that's where, where we begin today. Shepherds in the first century of Israel were individuals who existed on the outskirts of society. They would spend months away from home. They were considered stinky, dirty, and untrustworthy. Which cracks me up because these are the people that were breeding the the lambs to be slaughtered to pay for our sins. It would have been shocking to the first readers. Can you imagine Luke writing his book and he writes his story and then 
some Jewish person who, who, who's never heard about Jesus, but he's hearing about Jesus for the first time, reads this story. They didn't have very high expectations of shepherds. This is, these are all the things, I had to tell my sister this this week too, these are all the things that make me believe the Bible. You see, we don't look at that like, it, like that now, like women testifying and, and, and uh, shepherds being there. We don't look at any of that like it's special. But it is so special because of the culture and the time the Bible was written. I'm sure this offended more than one Jew that was reading this. Going, I don't think that's the Messiah. He wouldn't show up to shepherds. Why didn't he go? Why, he would have came to the Pharisees. We're the godly people. That's what they would have thought in their head. They wouldn't deserve to be in the presence of the king. So it was shocking. And it was an important part of the message. You see, the peace of God is for all people. I really believe that is why he went to shepherds that night. To make a point. Because God always makes a point. He uses the least always. He He takes people who couldn't do what he asked them to do without him all the time. That's how God works. That's why I'm standing here today. My sister last week came to church. It's the first time in a long time she's seen me preach, okay? She could not believe it. She could not believe it because she knew me when I was in school and wouldn't speak. She knew me before Jesus got a hold of me. She knew me before. She knows that this isn't me. She doesn't quite get it yet, but she knows it's not me. See, The peace is for all people. The angels had to steady the shepherds by telling them to not be afraid because they were terrified in their presence. Could you imagine this? Anybody who said they would not be afraid because they're going, the angels look more like the angel on the top of that tree than what I think the angels would be looking like. I think they'd be looking more like gladiators up there with a sword strapped to them while they're singing to the shepherds and professing this message. You would be afraid. And they had to be told, do not be afraid. And I'm sure even after that, their knees are knocking and they're trembling. They're on their, 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 their face down. They don't know what to do. They, they don't know what's happening. 
See, the message they brought was good news because a baby had been born who was the long-awaited Messiah, the one who was promised long ago to rescue God's people. See, the angels told them they were to find Jesus. And before they left on their search, a heavenly host spoke over them and said, Peace to those on whom God, God's favor rests. And that word favor can be translated grace. It's interchangeable anytime you see it in the Bible. So, so anyone whose God's grace rests upon can have peace. And we live a life like we can't, by the way. We always live, it seems like that we live at odds, but, but it was promised to us that we could find rest. Jesus was ushering in the peace that was needed. And I'm not sure the shepherds understood it when they were told that because this was not a good time to live. The world was not a nice place to live at this time. We think we've got it bad. They had it just as bad, if not worse. See, Jesus was ushering in peace. And we can learn to, to th- 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 this peace is for all people. And how do we know this? Because we just spent a lot of time, okay? Some people, the whole year they spent prepping for like the Christmas child and getting all them boxes to send around the world. Why? Because we believe the grace of God is for all people. That they can accept it or not, but it's for all people. The favor of God is for all people. So peace is for all people. See, do you think in your head, I don't know, I don't, that that box of toys is going to fix that child's life? No. It's not going to fix their life. Any of the gifts that we buy on the angel tree, it's, is that going to fix their life? No. It might make their life a little bit easier, but it's not going to fix their life. They still live where they live. What's going to fix their life is the message that's given with the gifts. When they accept and receive it, What changed my life was me accepting the free gift of salvation. What changes your life is the same thing. That is what brings the peace. I am all for, I think we should do all the things that we do. Because that's the way we get the message out. And we can can lead people to the true message of peace. The true message of Christmas. Jesus was born for them people that we're sending boxes out to. And the, the wells. 
whether they accept him or not. He was born just as much for them as for us. We just were blessed because we were either born here or moved here to America. We think the economy stinks right now. Groceries have, have skyrocketed. But, but I don't think any of us, any of us, we live in a, a town. I tell people this all the time. If you live in Rockford, you don't even have to have any money and you can eat three times a day. Just ask John. There's places you can... You, that, that's not around the rest of the world, by the way. That is not the way the rest of the world works. The rest of the world doesn't do that. We're blessed because we live here and we should want to take them blessings elsewhere. See, the shepherds were average, ordinary people and yet were invited to see the birth of the King of Kings. What we should find most amazing about that is that when God wanted to announce the arrival of his son, he did not ask for the presence of kings or queens. He asked for people like us. People like us got invited to witness the birth of Christ. To be the first ones to see him. Maybe the first ones to hold him. That's an amazing feeling. What we should find most amazing about it is when he, he announced it to the poor and the forgotten. It, it, it truly is good news because it's God's favor was offered to the shepherds. Then surely God's favor will rest upon us. If, and, and, and according to the Bible, if God's favor or grace rests upon you, you should have peace. How many people felt like they, they had peace this week? But we should. This is what I always say. We're not taking God's word seriously. We should have peace. Not, now peace isn't, there's going to be no war. There's going to be no conflict. See, God's grace and peace is the world's greatest gift. You see, from the time sin entered the world and effect, uh, uh, affected all of cre- creation, we have been odds at God. We have been fighting God. The Bible says we are en- were enemies of God and in rebellion against his rule and reign. You see, sin just sin did not just stop there. See, it also cursed us. To be at conflict with one another. And ourselves. Because if you're honest, you have more conflict with yourself than anybody else. But we're at, at, at conflict with one another. 
This is why Jesus' birth was and is such good news. See, it is the ultimate answer to the brokenness that exists because sin, broken, the brokenness between ourselves and God, our, ourselves and others, and our own self, our inner voice that we seem to war with over and over again. You see, this is why Paul put it, as he wrote to the church in Colossians, Paul was expressing the role that Jesus played in making peace. He says this in Colossians 1, 19 and 20 through 22. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of, the, of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. See, to understand the peace that is ushered in at Christmas time, we must understand that although Jesus arrived in a cradle, his life would lead to the cross. That's why I said at communion, it's so important that we don't forget why Jesus was born. Jesus intentionally lived a sinless life and willingly offered his life through crucifixion. See, Paul said it is the blood of Jesus Christ that makes peace between us and God. His blood gives us peace. So it cost him something. See, Christ's sacrifice on the cross pays for the sin we have committed it appeases God's anger towards sin, and it destroys the power of evil in our lives. You see, being reconciled to God is the key to experience peace in every other area of our lives. See, Jesus reconciles us to God. You see, when we receive this gift of forgiveness that is offered to us by faith, we become Friends of God. And he offers us the power to help us navigate the difficulties of life. See, that's why I ask you, we should be at peace. We should be at peace because of God. Not because of what's going on in the world. I told you last week, I think, that when my dad was there, and, 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 and it was Monday at 2 o'clock. I was at the hospital, 2.30, and I'm looking at him, and I'm, I'm having uh, some conversations uh, in my head. And, and I came to the, the, the realization and actually felt the peace that, that I'm talking about today, thinking that if my dad was to die now, That's okay. I was thinking, you know, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be a lot easier than it was yesterday if he died yesterday to do his funeral. 
My dad's always said to me since I've been a, a pastor that he wanted me to do his funeral. I've always said, that's going to be hard, but I would do it for you. And I actually think it's going to be hard, but not as hard as I thought it was going to be. I was ready for my dad to go home, if that's what my dad needed to do on that Monday. And still, if my dad's in rehab and something turned to the worst and goes home, I'm going to be okay with that. Because I know who made him, and I know where he's going. And I'm at peace with with whatever God wanted to do. From the time that I asked everybody to pray for him, I was at peace with the result. Not because I don't want to hang out with my dad a little bit more. But I actually, talking about reconciling us to God, I had to reconcile just the day before with my dad. I'm not going to get into the details, but we had a falling out that lasted a week, but it wasn't a falling out. It was actually, it was me telling him how I felt for the first time in my life at 52 years old. And him not knowing how to react. So it hurt my feelings. But I never hold it, held it against him. I'll tell you that. And I had to tell him, not for me, but for him, that I didn't hold it against him and I forgive him for his actions. He didn't mean to hurt me. And I, I did. The day before, because we had a discussion in the hospital that I was too hard on my dad. I'm like, No, that's the easiest I've ever been on my dad because I actually just told him how I felt. And in that turn, I asked him not to do something and he promised me he wouldn't, okay? And and I felt good. I mean, I I, I felt okay that if he would... I had no regrets, by the way. This happened, I just spoke to him on the Sunday, the day before, and and said stuff and, and... it was like, I didn't have no regrets. I was, I was, I'm happy that I nearly had 20 years of a pretty good relationship with him. And, and, and that's really good. I'm 52. I had 20 years of a good relationship with my dad. I'm lucky that that happened. Because for 32 years of my life, nearly 33, it didn't go well. So I was there thinking... I'm okay with this. My, God reconciled me back to my dad when he saved me. Because he's in that, that business. That's what he does. See, the peace offered to those whom God's favor rests does not equate to the absence of conflict. We're going to have conflict in, the, in, in our lives. We live in a broken world. Not everybody believes what you believe. And even if they do, they probably don't believe like you believe. And that's okay. But just because God gives us peace doesn't mean we're never going to have conflict. We may still have circumstances that don't go our way or challenging relationships that we have to navigate. We all have challenging relationships. And if you say, I don't, 
You're the challenge in somebody else's life. We all have challenging relationships to navigate. What it does promise, though, is the presence of God in our lives. And if he is with us, there is nothing we should fear. We should be able to walk through all of life's disappointments, all of life's conflict, all of life's pain. At peace, not because we like what we're going through, but at peace because we know who we belong to. You see, we can go to him for guidance and to strength. That's why I say prayer is so important. Not just when something goes wrong in your life. Prayer should be a constant. You should always be talking to God. You should be telling him about the good stuff. He knows it, but it's conversation. We can lean on him when we get weary because he promised to bind up our wounds when we are hurt. See, God also desires us to make peace with ourselves. Every past mistake, personal struggle, or worry for the future is met with the love and grace of God. If we got that, that point, if we got saved and understood that point, okay, that we are supposed to forgive our mistakes ourselves, forget them, we would be so amazing as people. The reason we struggle so much is because we're all digging up our past. Either what we've been through and how somebody else has hurt us or how we've made mistakes and we don't feel that we're forgiven. But the problem with that is we believe in a God that when he was nailed to the cross, he said it was finished. So that means everything I've just said, if any of it was a mistake, I'm forgiven for it. Anything that I did yesterday that was a mistake, I'm forgiven for it. That's how we learn to live at peace. Because if you can understand that, you can start living that way with other people in your life. Give them the same grace and mercy that you received. We walk around bitter and angry and then tell people we're Christians. How, how stupid is that? We are Christians, so that means we forgive. Do you know why? Not because the person deserves forgiveness, because we were forgiven. We are relationship builders, not because we're we're good at it, but because God's a relational God and he wants a relationship with us, so we should want relationships with others. So we should work at that. You see, when we come to recognize the grace that was given to us, our hearts are transformed to offer grace to others. 
if we really truly understand it. See, I think the problem is we don't think we're bad people. We think we're good people. So we, we get sinned against and we go, well, I wouldn't have done that to that person. I wouldn't have acted that way. So we think we're better than somebody else. We start putting ourselves up here. We start making ourselves God over other people's lives. But you know what's funny about that? You always pick out sins in other people's lives that you don't struggle with. Always. We never pick out stuff that we struggle with and, and, and push it on somebody else. Never. If I'm always on time, I complain about everybody that's always late. That's just basic. That's what we do as people. If I was always late, I wouldn't be complaining about people that were always late. It's just the way we are. We look at other people and see what we don't like about them, and we complain about it. We don't want to point out stuff that's like, like, oh, I do that, but I'm not going to point out that in other people's lives, because then they might point it out in my life. Because we think we're better than somebody else. We all stink. We are no better than anybody else. No matter what walk of life they're in. Whether they live on the street and stink like you're in and booze. Or they live in a castle. Nobody's better than anybody else. And by the way, I will tell you. Your one tragedy from living on the street. One tragedy. I can tell you, I was nearly living on the street with my wife and kids because of stupid mistakes that I made. Because I never saved. So when the market crashed, if it wasn't for my dad to say, here, I've got a mobile home you can move into, I don't know what we were to do, what, where we were going to go. So, so anybody who says, well, that person, they could, you don't know their circumstances. Mine happened because I would always get paid every week because I was good at my job and I would go trim houses and I had lots of work and kept trimming houses. But keep, uh, my spending habit was just as good as my working habit. And then the market crashed, like crashed fast. And there was no more work. So a couple months went by and I couldn't pay my rent anymore. I wasn't paying my bills. We were barely putting food on the table. And if it wasn't for my dad saying, you can move into this mobile home, just fix it up. You can move into it. I'd have been homeless. So when we see these people, we don't know their circumstances. When we see people, we don't know their circumstances. We judge people. 
Max Lucado talked about when he was on a plane. And he was upset because the air hostess wasn't paying him the attention that he thought he needed with drinks and whatever. Well, come to find out before he got off the plane, that lady, before she went to work, was handed her divorce papers. Right before she steps on to do her job, she's got papers filing for a divorce. And, and, and when you know somebody, like when you go to Walmart and you go, oh, they're giving me crappy, you don't know what they're going through that day. Maybe they're struggling to pay a bill and they don't know it. You don't know it, but they're just upset because, and we should be better people. We shouldn't hold them because, for one, we don't know what they believe, what they are. We should go, wow, I wonder what they're struggling through. Maybe I should ask them if they need any prayer. Instead of getting mad at people because of their attitude. Maybe they got a reason for their attitude. Because I don't know about you, when stuff goes wrong, I have a bad attitude. I'm sure it happens to all of us. But we don't want anybody judging us for that attitude. But we'll surely judge everybody else in the world. And then you go to a store and they have five cashiers working. It's not their fault they only have five cashiers working and 500 customers. It's not the cashier's fault, but they're the ones who feel the stress. Yet we're quick to judge. That's okay for the rest of the world to do. But if you profess to be a child of God, you need to stop it right now. You need to be peacemakers, not peacetakers. See, we, are, we, we have peace is our purpose. See, at Christmas time, we are also to make note of another advent that is coming. See, we know the end of the story. We know that there is going to be another advent because advent means arrival. And one day, Jesus is going to arrive again. And this time in all of his glory. He's not coming back as a little baby. He isn't going to come back as man. God, he's going to fully come back as God. That is going to be an amazing day. And we know that. We should live for that. That is what our hope is in. That is what our peace comes from. See, his, his peace covers our past. It meets us in the present and is a promise of the future. What the world needs more of is people who have the peace of God in their hearts and who are willing to share that, that peace with others. Let's be a church like that. Let's be a people that want to bring the peace of God to all the people we meet, no matter how difficult they are. And by the way, just want to tell you, it's not even an option to be any different. It's not optional for us to embody this peace. That is part of what it means to profess the name of Christ. It is the expectation that Jesus has for his followers. 
Joining God in the world to make the world a better place is the purpose of our lives. In fact, Jesus speaks to this in the middle of the most famous sermon that he ever preached. The Beatitudes. In Matthew 5, 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And I want to tell you a little quick... By the way, the Beatitudes aren't individual attitudes, by the way. So the next time you read the Beatitudes, you need to say, it's all what a Christian is. We're not just one of them. We're not just poor in spirit. We're not just supposed to be peacemakers. The the Beatitudes are about being a Christian. That is what our attitude should be. So blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. See, the angel told the shepherds that peace was available to those on whom God's favor rests. Jesus said something similar when he started, stated that peacemakers will be blessed and they will be called children of God. See, when we are willing to seek reconciliation with others and fight for harmony rather than sowing dissension. And a lot of that has been going on the last few years in this country. I wonder where that comes from. You know, we're getting involved in it though, and we shouldn't be. We're supposed to be peacemakers, not chaos makers. A lot of dissension has been, been sowed lately, and we need to do something. We are identified with the heart of God who longs to reconcile the world to himself. You see, we look like the Father, and we are recognized as children in his family when we find peace at the heart of Christmas because God desires us to be in right relationship with him with ourselves and with others. It is the very reason for which Jesus came to earth. Warren Worsby says this, "The the world bases its peace on its resources, while God's peace depends on relationships. To be right with God means to enjoy the peace of God. The world depends on personal ability, but the Christian depends on spiritual adequacy in Christ. In the world, peace is something you hope or, work or hope for or work for. But to, to the Christian, peace is God's wonderful gift received by faith. See, unsaved people enjoy peace when there is an absence of trouble. Christians enjoy peace in spite of trials because of the presence of power. And the Holy Spirit. See, there are many people who do not value peace. Peace in their relationships. And so they live in a constant state of conflict. You ever known any of them? They always want to argue about something. Some people are looking for a fight because they, they aren't in one. See, it reminds me of... What Linus said to Charlie Brown in the Charlie Brown Christmas. My sister had never watched Charlie Brown Christmas, so we did that too while she was here. 
Charlie Brown was having trouble getting into the Christmas spirit. If you've watched it, you'd know that. And Linus observed this, and Charlie, he said, and he said this, Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. That's when we do, when we're always looking for a fight. See, unfortunately, this is the outcome for people who believe Christmas is not about, is about other things besides hope, peace, joy, and love. See, this Christmas, may we be people who embrace the gift offered to us through Jesus who died for us so we might live in right relationship with God, ourselves, and others. So for your homework this week, you got to write them down because I didn't. I think I actually put them on the sheet this week. I did. So I did, I did get better than last week. What kinds of things tend to rob peace from people's lives? What robs, I want you to ask these questions to yourself this week. What robs people of their peace? How is the presence of God and the presence of peace related? Why is Christ's sacrifice necessary to reconcile, reconcile us to God, to ourselves, and to others? And what is one practical way to live a life as a peacemaker? And that last question is, not just a question, whatever you, however you answer that, start implementing it. If you don't answer any of the other questions, answer the last question. And say to yourself, from now on, I'm going to start doing this. And I'm going to start being a peacemaker because I believe I belong to a, the greatest peacemaker, God. Because he sent his son as a baby to live a life you could not live, and to die a death that you deserve. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you came to bring us peace. Not peace like the world sees it, but peace knowing that you are in control. Knowing that nothing happens without your uh, authority, God. And that you uh, watch over us, and that you uh, give us that peace as long as we come to you. Help us to be peacemakers, God. Help us to be the people that you've called Christians to be. Help us to love people even when it's painful. Help us to love people even when it's difficult, God. Help us to show the world what it means to follow you and to know Jesus and to know what Christmas is really all about. I just pray that we can start that this week, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.